0: to the Basic Income Podcast, I'm Owen Poindexter. And I'm Jim Pugh. We've had episodes about what the basic income movement looks like in various countries around the world. One place though that we haven't focused on until now is Sri Lanka. And in part that's because up until very recently, there there really didn't seem to be a whole lot happening there. But that's actually changed in the recent months.
1: So we got to speak with Talal Rafi, who is leading the basic income movement in Sri Lanka. And so here's my conversation in my morning and his evening. Oh, Talal, thank you so much for joining us on the show.
2: Uh, pleasure to be on the show. Thank you. So how did you first
1: hear about basic income?
2: Uh, basic income? I. My story starts like I wanted to solve this issue about extreme poverty. So it was uh, on a trip to the northwest of the country. So when I went there and in the rural areas, I heard a story like uh, people said there was a lady who had uh, committed suicide. So then when I inquired about it, it was because she had uh, taken a loan from loan sharks just to feed her own children at a high interest rate and couldn't pay it back. And because of that, she had committed suicide. So I was like after i heard this i just really wanted to do something you know i thought like this cannot go on and then i came across this idea about basic income and then i did research and i thought like if there had been basic income at least you know extreme poverty would be wiped out this is the only way to wipe out extreme poverty so after that then i did a lot of research and uh, i started this movement in sri lanka for a basic income, which I believe that will solve a lot of issues, especially in the developing world, and uh, here I think uh, we may not be able to like uh, have uh, uh, provide a basic income as high as uh, in the states or in Europe, but uh, in Sri Lanka, because the standard of living is like lower and things are cheaper, I think we can. It'll be more affordable here, as especially the economy is growing. Yeah, actually,
1: I wanted to ask you about that. So, in the U.S., the number that gets used very often is a thousand dollars a month per person. What do you think would be a reasonable number in Sri Lanka?
2: So, here recently, the World Bank has done like a poverty rate. They have said, uh, you know, roughly around uh, two to three dollars a day. So, I think like here to get by especially in the rural areas, I would say roughly around uh, 60 to $70 might be for a month. I mean, that's the rate we can uh, look at, especially at the rate the economy is growing, because uh, per capita here in Sri Lanka is $4,000. I mean, compared to the US where it's over $60,000. So, I mean, uh, that should be at least a beginning to get rid of uh, extreme poverty. But as like unlike the Western world, which is already developed, we are growing at a m- much uh, faster rate. Especially like seven to eight percent. Like uh, you know, other developing countries like Vietnam have double digit growth. Like China had for the last uh, two decades, but now it's slowed down. But I think like uh, as our economies grow, so will the basic income as well. So I mean, it might start at a very low point, but. It will keep rising as the economies grow.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You know, I, I think we often get hooked on this number, but I'll, really, it should be growing with inflation, with the you know the expansion of the economy. So, tell us about the work you've been doing in Sri Lanka to advocate for basic income.
2: So, we've uh, done a lot of uh, things through the media. So, I recently came on uh, national TV on a show, and then uh, we've done a few. Uh, uh, press releases here, especially with S- Scott Santons and uh, Dr. Jim, uh, Jim Pug.
1: Yeah, yeah Jim Pugh, my, my co-host, actually.
2: Yes, yes. Yeah, he uh, was uh, in a press release. Uh, and uh, recently we did a, uh, another one where uh, with uh, Professor Guy Standing. So we're planning to do a study. I mean, he's coming down here in August as well. So we plan to go and uh, meet with the government officials, especially hopefully to meet with the finance minister. So to put a proposal and uh, I've also been doing uh, talks here. So the thing is like, uh, we need to work a lot on the awareness here. So, I mean, it's like, uh, even in the US, I mean, it's still a thing about awareness. Uh, so, I mean, in here, so there's a lot to be, so people have to know like what it is and how it can help. So, That would be the main point. And uh, what I feel is like uh, we have a presidential elections coming in November. So if we can somehow get a bit of awareness, maybe like get a few comments on the campaign trail, that would be a great deal. But uh, 2019 would, uh, to be realistic, it would be too early. I would be like more working around 2030 for the idea to uh, awareness might come might take a few years, but maybe to go to a presidential elections in this country, maybe like you to give another five to 10 years. So what's the reaction been like to, to when you bring up this idea to people there? Uh, a lot of people, uh, they are like uh, being positive about it. And they say that uh, a lot agree that this is the solution forward as, you know, like, but uh, some, you know, argue but uh, there are a lot of flaws in the system as well so recently when I uh, was speaking to the representatives from the World Bank they were saying that they have a program it's more like a welfare thing you know you find out who's unemployed and then you can give a certain amount to them directly but then what I told them was like you don't realize the thing that's going on in the ground here so as a Sri Lankan I know that you know This is never going to work like when you go into bureaucracy here, like the most vulnerable people, especially like if you give it to an official in charge of finding out who the unemployed is and giving it, these people are not going to do it. I mean, half of the money is going to be pocketed by the officials as there is a lot of corruption in the developing world. So what I think is like, uh, I like the idea where like... uh, Everyone's saying like basic income means everybody knows that this amount is guaranteed for them. So it eliminates like the bureaucracy part of it. So I think that would be a great thing.
1: Are there similar movements from the past or present that you can draw on for support and inspiration? Or are you essentially starting from scratch where you are?
2: I think uh, at the moment, it's like uh, starting from scratch at the moment. I mean, there are like other movements around, but as far as Sri Lanka is concerned, I think Maybe like the movement is, as a whole, is starting from the beginning, here.
1: Yeah. So you're kind of introducing this idea for, to the for the first time to to most people.
2: Yeah. To most people, this is the first time they have heard of it. So, and uh, like one of the like the questions is like they're all interested, but then they say like you know where's the money going to come from? Like uh, I mean, they don't say it in a way to put it down, but they're like uh, you know genuinely asking. So I mean, recently. Uh, in a show, I was asked, but uh, what I feel is that uh, Sri Lanka, for example, we our budget, when you see like education and health put together, comes to a certain amount, but the debt repayments for all the loans is five times that of education and health put together. So, so there's a lot of debt repayments going on. So, I mean, if we can get rid of the debt, i think we can easily provide a basic income for a lot of people so what i say is what my idea is like um, as a developing country like if we don't uh, get into more debt and we grow our economy the proportion of the debt to the gdp is going to reduce over time so in that way i think we can make a lot of progress so once the debt i mean if the debt level repayments itself is like so many times that of uh, health And education put together, that's a lot of money. I mean, in Sri Lanka, we have universal health care for everyone. So that's a huge budget and free education, even for the universities here. For example, in uh, Sri Lanka, it's like universities are free for students. Not only that, like even the food there is free. So, I mean, it's a huge budget, but then debt is like five times that. So what my theory is that if we can eliminate the debt, we can... Easily provide a basic income for people here.
1: Yeah, wow, that's very interesting to get that perspective. You know, in the U.S., you know, it's we, we have a huge debt as well, but we don't think about it very much. We think more about you know where where is the next money going to come from. So here, you know, there poverty is a a central motivation for basic income, but we also talk about things like automation and the changing workforce. Are those sorts of concerns present there as well? Or or would you say poverty is the dominant motivator?
2: I think uh, for the moment, uh, poverty is, but automation is easily like creeping in everywhere. Like here too, like, you know, the banks are, you know, getting rid of the jobs over the counter. It's Everything's turning out into the machines. And uh, a lot of other areas like they're eliminating, especially in the manufacturing sectors. Like, Sri Lanka has a huge uh, amount of people working in the garments industry, like manufacturing this. So, I mean, uh, bringing in uh, automation here is eliminating a lot of jobs. And uh, people say that, uh, you know, these uh, people could find a job elsewhere, but uh, most of the people are like, you know, you can't, like, really, it takes a huge amount of uh, money to invest in them to make them capable of doing anything else. So especially like, for example, one of the biggest uh, industries, like uh, uh, sectors, which have self-employed people is like uh, the tuk industry, like the three wheelers, like a, uh, like a taxi service here. So that has like uh, 1 million uh, tooks running in Sri Lanka. So that's like 1 million uh, families. And not only that, like uh, these people like provide a lot of services and uh, through their income, people surrounding them get benefits. So it was like a recent article by Scott Santons. Uh, he wrote about uh, the truck industry in the US, where there are like uh, 4 million truckers. And uh, once uh, automation comes, especially like uh, Elon Musk is working on the automation of trucks. So once that comes in, like it will not only be like 4 million of these truckers who are going to lose the jobs, but like where they drive, like, for example, from uh, Los Angeles to another city. So on the way, they stop at uh, at restaurants. And then that's another uh, thing that provides for the local economy. So the owner of the restaurant's revenue is going to go down. And then he's going to go and buy in a supermarket. So it's going to be like a huge effect. And uh, most of these people, like truckers, like, uh, you know, once they're like 40, 50 years old, they're not like, uh, it's not easy to train them to get a job that like uh, in the IT sector or AI sector.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um, what's next for your advocacy work and how can people help out?
2: Uh, So our next thing is uh, we want to create more awareness, like uh, create a bigger following and uh, hopefully like show, especially like uh, in an election year, we want to show the uh, politicians from the two main uh, parties that, uh, you know, there is a sort of uh, liking for this in our country like for example in a recent poll in the us uh, it found that 48% of uh, americans would support a basic income so we still haven't done a study here so i'm working on creating enough awareness and maybe after a study we can find out like how many people how much of the population is like very supportive of it and then if we can find a huge segment who would be supportive i mean it'll uh, easily will easily be able to influence the politicians. I mean, in election years, like they also want to have manifestos, which the people like. So, I mean, in in India, there's a lot of progress. I mean, India is a much bigger economy, but then Sri Lanka, the GDP per capita is like double that of India. So, I mean, Sri Lankan earns twice the amount earned by an Indian, but still uh, in India, both the major parties are talking about basic income. I mean, it was by the BJP and uh, by the Congress Party. So they have put it in their manifestos uh, that uh, they will be providing basic income. I mean, not for the whole country, but for the farming community. So, I mean, that's a huge step forward. Like if a large neighbor in the north is uh, going to start on it, it will give a huge boost for us. And it will also be easier to have a study because India is like uh, similar. So whatever study is done and how successfully it's going to be like after the election in uh, April, I mean, next month. So India will start rolling out this basic income and then we can uh, get a lot of data from the how it is working. And that will be more useful for us here to make a case in this country.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Great. Yeah. And well, those are the questions I had for you. Is there anything else you'd like to add?
2: We're looking at more like international support for us, like the more attention we get or uh, even funds we can do like more studies and uh, even uh, what I'm working on is like uh, trying to get a pilot program going on like uh, in Angola in Kenya it's been tried out so my plan is like it'll be more uh, rather than getting a poll and uh, you know finding out people's views it'll be better if we can have a pilot project in Sri Lanka so where we can like provide a certain amount for, let's say, uh, especially in the rural areas, for example, five or six villages, like around uh, 200 people. And then we can get the views and how it's working. And that I feel is like would uh, create a better case because uh, studies we found in like uh, Angola and Kenya and all, it found that uh, crime greatly reduced. And uh, not only that, like... uh, uh, in a village in Angola, it found that uh, the non-basic income of the village increased by 29%. Because when I put the case in Sri Lanka, a lot of people, one of the main uh, things they put against basic income is that it makes people lazy. So this is a proof that uh, in the village in Angola when it was uh, basic income was provided, like uh, the non-basic income uh, rose up by 29%. And uh, this is another case, for example, like... Uh, I'm an, other than advocating for basic income, I'm an entrepreneur here. So I've started uh, with my partners a couple of ventures. One is a a co-working business and the other is like into organic foods. So my other argument uh, for basic income is like, uh, other than the poverty or the automation, it's like it helps entrepreneurs. It helps grow businesses. Uh, for example, like uh, right now, when we see about uh, startups and entrepreneurship, it's mostly like the rich kids because they can afford to take the risk. Yes, and they are, they have the ability to take the risk. I mean, someone from a poor background, I mean, he will he'll be smarter than a Zuckerberg or a Bill Gates or anyone, but you know, he cannot invest the same uh, time or energy because he has to look after his family. He has to start earning to put food on the table. So, I mean, this is why even in the US, if you see most of the startups like Zuckerberg, these are all like Harvard and Stanford dropouts and people who go there like, you know, the rich kids have the time to play around with entrepreneurship. So if you give a basic income, what I feel is like the rest, the 99% of the uh, kids will also have an opportunity, an equal playing ground to become entrepreneurs. And who knows, I mean, they can have much better ideas and uh, yeah, so we are, we are missing a lot of Zuckerbergs and Elon Musks. Uh, so basic income can help them a lot. That was Owen speaking with Talal Rafi on basic income in Sri Lanka.
0: So one thing that stood out to me in that conversation is, and, and we've talked about in the past the importance of not having basic income just be a fixed floor over time, but rather to pay it either to inflation or cost of living or maybe even GDP so that it is rising with a growing economy. But I think that it's it becomes even more clear how important that is in the context of a developing country. Because when you have potentially double digit growth year after year in your economy, the idea of setting a fixed amount, it clearly is highly problematic because five years down the road, people are getting a tiny, tiny fraction of, of what they were getting before. And so, this to me really emphasized why it is important to have that shifting amount over time.
1: Yeah. In the US, you can get away with not really thinking about it too much when you have two to 4 percent growth year over year, and eventually your your benefits are not big enough. But it takes a while, whereas, yeah, if it's like 10, 20% growth, that's gonna happen really fast. You know, by the time the program's implemented, the the amount you propose in the beginning might not be enough. And it's just interesting to see the momentum there. You know, I think it sounded like India proposing this idea was, was a real kickstarter for, for neighboring countries. And uh, it just shows that in a lot of ways this is becoming a global movement and it's taking on different angles you know obviously where everywhere it goes but it's not confined to western countries it's not confined to liberal democracies it's it's all over the place
0: something else that came up that i hadn't really considered before is when considering a system where where you have a lot of corruption in providing people with benefits the idea of shifting to a program that has less bureaucracy the motivation isn't just to have a simplified system as, as an end to itself. It's to have a system that is more resistant to people taking advantage along the way. Because if you can create a model where people are just directly getting their benefits without, certainly with fewer, but ideally without any middlemen, then that may mean that people are getting their benefits at a much higher degree and level of completion than exists today.
1: Yeah, this is something that's come up in, in episodes we've done on basic income in other countries, particularly India, where I can't speak personally to from any knowledge of how the government works in those countries, but it's something that comes up again and again um, just when we talk about those benefit systems and how it's clear that the more people there are between you and the benefit, the less you're going to get. And just interesting how uh, he mentioned this is going to be a... Uh, a flashpoint in the presidential election, and how, just like here, um, with Andrew Yang, elections are these moments where you can have these big conversations about something you haven't really talked about before as a country.
0: Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how how that debate continues there, and, and honestly, other places around the world, given that basic income now has has become a more prominent policy, and politicians are engaging it in a variety of ways.
1: That'll do it for this episode of the Basic Income Podcast. Thank you to our producer, Eric Davidson. Please rate us and review us on the podcast subscription service of your choice. It'll help other people find the show. And please tell your friends we're always looking to bring more people into this conversation. Have a great day.